Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode 72, Cubs, September Swoon. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook. Email Crowley and I, Fly the W670 at gmail.com. And Crowley, I'm not even going to ask how you are because, uh, as the title suggests, Cubs, September Swoon. I'm good, Dustin. I am good, because, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, you talk me off the, the ledge here, buddy. Well, it was the last night game last night, and as tradition, we had the 31st annual burning of the ball at Ball Hawk Corner. Well, so I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering what the heck that is. Please explain to not only our listeners but to our co-host. Yes, uh, every year at the end of the year to give thanks to the baseball gods for a successful season of uh, ball hawking and catching BP balls and home run balls, we give thanks. Everybody uh, in the bleachers signs a ball. It gets soaked for about nine innings, and then when it's over, the ball is then sacrificed to the baseball gods. So if you right now are subscribed to the SCORE YouTube channel and to our playlist, I got some pictures up here of – the ball being burned ceremoniously. We had a lot of great people out there. Uh, Bleacher Jeff, Mai Tai guy, uh, Ball Hawk Dave. We had uh, Miguel Esparza came by. Um, we had the South Bend crew uh, was there. So I, I have I have a feeling that the Cubs are going to go on a run after we have now appeased the baseball gods. Soaked in? That, that, that thing is soaked in kerosene and gas. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it was Malort or, or what you guys are up to out there. All right, so we wouldn't we, waste the booze we've on that. A, we've, bur- we've burned a ball, and uh, we've got that going on. But let's uh, let's walk through this one. Game one, you were supposed to go to this one. This was Tuesday night, Javier Assad. Yeah, boy, I'm sure I'm glad I traded my ticket for that one. Um, you know, after an awful road trip, the Cubs are looking to turn their fortunes around against the Pirates. I was excited to see that after being with the team since September 1st and having only one at bat, Alexander Canario would be getting a start. Javier Assad was on the mound, and he had struggled with control the last couple of times out, and it looked like the struggles would continue after a lengthy rain delay. Brian Reynolds walked, and Key Brian Hayes singled with one out, but he got Jack Swinski to strike out and Joshua Palacios to line out to strand the runners. But then in the bottom of the first, Nico would walk, and Dansby Swanson, who is it? just came off a very cold road trip, hit a two-run basket shot, and the party was just getting started. Bailey Falter came in to pitch to the second, so they were a little trickery with their opener. Christopher Morell walks. Patrick Wisdom doubled to score Morell. Canario grounded out to advance him to third, and then Nico hit a sack fly, and the Cubs were up 4 nothing. I now, was feeling Brian pretty good Hayes, at that point. Gotta be. Brian Hayes homers at the top of the third, and that was the only blemish on Javier Assad's night as he would go five innings, gave up five hits, one run, eight Ks, and one walk. A nice bounce back after a couple of rough outings. It helps when you have run support, Dustin. And speaking of run support, Saya would answer uh, Key Brian Hayes' home run with a solo shot of his own to make it 5-1. to one. He continues to swing a hot bat. The Cubs added one more in the sixth when Ian Happ led off with a walk, advanced to second on a morel ground out. Patrick Wisdom would pop out for the second out, and then, after looking understandably rusty in his first two at-bats, Canario doubled for his first MLB RBI, his first hit, and that made it 6-1. to one. But, Dustin, we've been asking the Cubs to please tack on some runs, and boy, did they ever in that eighth inning. Jan Gomes leads off the inning with a hit-by-pitch. Ian Happ grounds out. Morell walks, and then PCA walks to load the bases for who else? Alexander Canario waiting for his opportunity and he made the most of it. He hits a grand slam. According to OptiStats, Canario is the only MLB player to hit a grand slam and drive in five plus runs in his first career start since RBI became a stat in 1920. So pretty, pretty nice. Uh, yeah, pretty nice night, Tuesday night for the young man. That was really cool to see. 
Uh, too bad you weren't there. I watched it from my couch. I'm guessing you watched it from your couch. So uh, let's keep yes. uh, walking everybody through this one because it was one to remember. Yeah, Nico and Dansby were then single. And then Cody Bellinger hit a three-run home run to make it 13-1. to one. And, you know, So we were worried after he had a cold road trip. That home run made the Cubs the third franchise in MLB history to hit 15,000 home runs. So congratulations, Cody Bellinger and the Cubs on Amazing. that one. Amazing. Jared Jared Young would hit a triple to drive and say it to wrap up the scoring, and the Cubs led 14 to 1. 12 batters would come to the plate. The Cubs would hit for the cycle. They would hit two home runs, including a grand slam. And Dustin, we brought up this stat before. The Cubs have scored at least 10 runs in a game for the 23rd time this season. The most in the NL, second most in the majors. It is the fourth time in franchise history that the team has played at 10 or more runs at least 23 times and the first time since 1935. Well, let's hope that uh, that can continue as we uh, head down this uh, home stretch. So game number two, Wednesday, David Hall calls it win day. Justin Steele on the mound looking to earn a Cy Young. What happened? Well, you know, when we talked about it on the last podcast, it was supposed to be a Tyone start, and they decided to move him to give Justin Steele three more starts. So he's good to go for this one, one against the Braves, and he'd be able to finish on the last day of the season in Milwaukee if needed. Um, unfortunately, you know, he continues to look gassed, and he was pulled early in this one. The Cubs struck first, you know, with Cody Bellinger doubling to lead off the second. Dansby struck out, but then Saya singled to left. Uh, Bellinger would score to put the Cubs up one nothing, but Key Brian Hayes cut off the throw from Brian Reynolds and he threw it out. Uh, threw out Say at first, he strayed too far off the bag. And Dustin, these are the little things that we're talking about when you're look, talking about a losing streak. You know, you got Keller on the mound, a great pitcher. You got the wind blowing out. You cannot continue to give out ba- uh, give up outs on the bases, especially and they've been doing like that. Kevin. And they've been doing that all season long. This that is nothing new. They have been awful on the base pass overall. After a bumpy first se- uh, inning, Steele seemed to settle down and was cruising with the Cubs leading one nothing until the fourth inning, when the wheels fell off. He gave up Dustin six straight singles, right? And so I went to take. I went back and I took a look at the inning. And Key Brian Hayes leads it off with a first pitch single, but then Steele had Connor Joe at 0 and 2. He had Jack Sawinski 2 and 2. He had Jared Triolo 1 and 2. Henry Davis 1 and 2. Um, Paguero at 1 and 2. He was ahead of all these hitters, but he could not put anyone away. The slider just wasn't working, and and they just continued to fight it off. He had to throw 32 pitches in the inning, Dustin. Yeah, it was a bad. It was a it was a bad inning. It was a it was a bad night, just uh, just bad. I mean, it, it's it was it's been really hard Wednesday and Thursday, really hard nights to be a Cubs fan. Right, and, and so he doesn't record a single out. Ross pulls him for Jose Cuas. Um, is that I mean, the move? So is Quas is Quas the guy you want to be going to at that point? This is these are where these little things, where the the internet and, and social media, Twitter specifically, that I look at. I mean, they're killing Ross. And this one, I'm like, really, Jose Quas? I I just I, I honestly feel Dustin at this point in time, it doesn't matter who comes out of there; they're all gassed. That, that, that's the issue. But uh, any chance of Steele Cy Young ended on the mound that night? Uh, the first batter he faced that Quas faced with two outs with two on no outs bunted for some reason, but the next batter, Joshua Palacios homered. The Cubs were down seven to one. Hayden Wesniski would replace Jose Quas. He gave up a two out homer to Jared Triolo and the Cubs were down eight to one. So you're down eight to one. Justin Steele's knocked out of the game. Mitch Keller's on the round uh, is on the mound. No shot, right? Well, the Cubs made it interesting. Um... Morel homered the beginning to make it eight to two. Cubs proceeded to load the bases with one out for Ian Hatt, who hit a grand slam. The second Cubs grand slam in consecutive games. And now you got a ball game. The Cubs are down eight to six. Wrigley Wrigley's is rocking. rocking. Yeah, man, it was rocking. Came through the television loud and clear. But after that amazing inning, the Cubs needed the all-important shutdown inning from the pen. Mark Leiter comes in to replace Wesniski. He lets the first two runners reach. He gets Brian Reynolds to ground out, but a run's going to score to make it nine to six. He gets Key Brian Hayes to fly out for the second out, but then Leiter gave up a two-run homer to Connor Joe, and the Cubs now trailed eleven to six. They would add one more run in the the Cubs would add one more run in the sixth, and the Pirates would add two more in the ninth off Daniel Palacios. 
but the Cubs would lose this one 13 to seven. Dustin, the Cubs scored seven runs on 12 hits. Ian Happ was two for five with a grand slam. Cody Bellinger, two for five with two doubles. And Miles Mastroboni went three for four with two doubles as well. But the offense was three for 12 with runners in scoring position. They left seven men on base. And that's but the look, stat that matters. Three for 12 with runners in scoring position. Seven guys left on base. That's part of the problem. But the bigger part of the problem really was the pitching, Dustin. When you score that many runs, you should be able, you know, you should be able to. If you score seven runs in a game, you should be well, able to. Part of to it win is that. when the runs are scored, right? That that also that also factors in. But you're right. When you score seven, you should at this point, and you're the Cubs and you're playing the Pirates. I think that's also part of the equation. You should go on to win that game. Yes, you should. Right. Steele gave up six runs. Quas gave up a run on a home run. Wisniski gave up a run on a home run. Leiter gave up three runs on a home run. Palencia home gave run, up home two run, runs. home run, home run. Yep. Just not getting it done, and, and and we need to talk about that, and we will shortly about the pitchers right now. So that rolls us into game three. The Cubs need to win this series. They got Kyle Hendricks out on the mound in potentially his final start at Wrigley Field. Yeah, like like Yogi Berra, this, this felt like David uh, deja vu all over again. Uh, the Cubs offense made another mediocre, let another mediocre starter shut them down. Johan Oviedo went six innings of shutout ball, Dustin. He gave up four hits, five walks, five Ks. So that's nine base runners, Dustin, in six innings. But the Cubs were 0 for 10 with runners on bases against Oviedo. No, you know, this awful. Is I mean, you know, we go back to Theo. The offense broke. Right. Nico hit a one-out double in the first. They couldn't get him in. The Cubs had two on in the third when Ian Happ struck out swinging. Cody Bellinger would walk to load the bases, but then Dansby Swanson struck out to end the threat. Cubs had two runners on. He looked bad on that strikeout, Crowley. Bad. Awful. The Cubs had two runners on in the fourth, and they couldn't score. Uh, The first two Cubs reached in the fifth, they couldn't score. I mean, just the wasted opportunities that they could not cash in on was ridiculous. One after another. Kyle Hendricks looked good. No problem in the first two innings, but in the third, Connor Joe let off with a single. But then Brian Reynolds hit one to Dansby Swanson. Gold Glover, best defensive shortstop in the league. He makes Dustin a crucial error. Ball gets by him. Now you have two on and no outs. He gets the next two batters out, but with two outs, Miguel Andahar doubled and the Pirates were up 2 nothing. They added one more in the fifth on another RBI by Miguel Andahar, who had himself a nice game. Yeah. And the Cubs were down three nothing. Hendricks would go six innings pitch. He gave up three runs on seven hits, but only one of them, Dustin, was earned. He struck out five and walked two. So again, he gave you everything you needed to win this game. Absolutely, he's been he's been rock solid down the stretch overall. Rock solid. After Oviedo left the game in the sixth inning, the Cubs' offense came to life. Ian Happ hit a one out single, advanced to second on a wild pitch, moved to third on a Cody Bellinger ground out, but with two outs. Dansby Swanson singled to drive and have to make it three to one ball game. Unfortunately, in the top of the eighth, Brad Boxberger couldn't get the shutdown inning. He gave up a walk to the first batter. He faced Jared Triolo, got the next two pirates out, but G Juan babe tripled to make it four to one. And then Connor Joe would single him in to make it five to one. But the Cubs came fighting back in the bottom of the inning with one out Gomes walked master singled and Talkman doubled the score. Gomes Cubs are down five, two. Nico Horner's up and Colin Holdman throws a wild pitch. Master Bonnie scores to make it five to three. And then Nico would ground out to score Mike Talkman. We're only talking a one run game, Dustin, five to four. Right. You think but maybe, just maybe. Little magic in the Wrigley air, but the ninth inning was heartbreaking. Dustin, we kept saying, where's Julian Merriweather? Well, yeah, we got we him. We got Julian Merriweather game. last night. Oof. Oof. <laughs> he Oof. walks Brian Reynolds to start the inning. Then he gave up a double to Key Ryan Hayes. Ian Happ throws it to Nico, who throws a strike to Jan Gomes. Reynolds out in the plate. Gomes alertly throws it to Miles Mastrobwani at third, and now they have Ray uh, Hayes down in a rundown. But Mastrobwani's throw to second goes into the outfield, and instead of a double play, you only have one out, and now you have a runner on third. Merriweather would walk Jack Sawinski and pitch hitter Joshua Palacios would homer to put it eight to four. Dustin, I can't believe Master Buani threw that one away. Yeah, and, and you know he's supposed to be in there for defense, right? You can't, you can't possibly, you can't possibly have Christopher Morel playing third base because you need to have Master Choli playing third. And I'm goofing around with pronunciation of his name right now. You got to have him in there. That, that's unacceptable. And he hasn't, he hasn't played all that much. So I don't want to hear about he's tired enough. Right. The Cubs had one last chance to pull this out. David Bednar comes in. 
Cody Bellinger greets him with a double. Dansby Swanson with Homer. Wrigley is rocking once again. The Cubs trail eight to six, and there's nobody out. Seiya Suzuki uh, works a three-two count, and the umpire, the home plate umpire, who wasn't that bad in the game, Nate Tomlinson, no outs in the ninth. You just scored two runs, three-two count. There was a ball that was probably three, four inches high, and he called Seiya Suzuki out. And Seiya Suzuki's been getting screwed on these calls all year. Where, Dustin, where's David Ross to argue to advocate for his player? Yeah, he should have been out there on that one. There's no doubt about that. It was like, you know, the umpire looked like he was ready to go home. And in that case, it looked like Ross was ready to go home as well. Unbelievable. I was so irritated about that. I'm like, come out there. This has to stop with Sale about him getting these crap ass strike three calls on him. And and it was just ridiculous. And, you know, this is this is what David Ross had to say about this miserable series. That's the fourth series in a row that the Cubs have lost. Four series in a row that they've lost. And this is to the Pirates. And they lost one to Colorado, two teams that are just garbage. Here's what Ross had to say. Got to play better. The offense is there. You know, that's, you know, not a good team. They just took two out of three from us, uh, or not our caliber team, I believe. And um, the guys kept fighting. That's what they do. And some things didn't go our way late. we gotta got to be better in a lot of aspects of baseball. And uh, come back tomorrow. Got nine left. Thank goodness. we got to play better. The offense is there. You know, that's you know, not a good team. They just took two out of three from us uh, or not our caliber team. I wanted to replay that. Nine left Crawley, nine left Crawley. And today is tomorrow. So let's go. You know, I I put that, I left that clip to play again because he, that was a Freudian slip by, by Ross. He said the truth. They're not a good team. He later on kind of corrected himself and said, that's not a good caliber team. They're not the same caliber. He tried to back it up. Yeah, and so, but that's the truth, Dustin. And he talked about the offense being good, and the offense has been good lately. It's been the it's when part of it though again is when you get the runs right, and, and they got a bunch of runs in the second game, but none of it was timely runs. So there is some those numbers aren't crystal clear. Just just hanging crooked numbers on the scoreboard doesn't mean that your offense was good. If I told you before the series that the Cubs would score seven, 14, seven, and six runs, you would have taken it all in a heartbeat. Well, sure, of course. But again, each game is its own entity. Yes, but I would have. Yeah, to answer your question, of course I would. But each game is its own entity. If you're going to tell me that every night the Cubs are coming back from four and five down, that makes it different. Right. Never playing, never playing from the lead. Oh, yeah, they didn't quit. Listen, they did not quit. I, David Ross is correct about that. They did not quit. Well, I will say this right here. I wanted to kind of pull this up here. And this to me is mind blowing right here. If you look at this, um, this is the pitching in the last seven days. Assad looks good. Hendricks looks good. Daniel Palacios has a nine ERA in that time. Palencia, period in the last... Palencia, Palencia, Palencia. Let me help you out there. Yeah, Palencia, nine ERA. How about let's go with Drew Smiley has given up two runs. Uh we we have uh, Justin Steele, 18 ERA in the last seven days. Uh, Jordan Wicks, he only has one start. I'm not going to count that. But you talked about Jose Cuas, 675 ERA in the last seven days. Brad Boxberger, 540. Hayden Wesniski, 13.50. Mark Leiter, 9. Julian Merriweather, 11.57. So that is just absolutely Stunning, Dustin. Stunning. No, not not good. And the and the pitching is, you know, pitching and defense is, is what has gotten the Cubs to this point. So I don't want to uh, defecate on them too much, but uh, just not good enough. If you're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, it is season two. It's episode seventy-two. Cubs in the midst of a September swoon. Don't forget to download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast in this segment. Crowley interviews Miguel Esparza, Jorge Moreno, the Cubs Spanish broadcast to talk about Cubs Hispanic heritage celebrations all month long and specifically at Wrigley Field. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I have the voice of Los Cachorros, Miguel Esparza and Jorge Moreno. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? What's up, Crowley? We're doing good. Ready for another game. Now, guys, the reason I wanted to have you on, you know, what, what an exciting night last night. The Cubs are back, and they they kicked off Hispanic Heritage Celebration. I mean, 
all around the ballpark. They had mariachi bands. They had piñatas. I mean, all these things. How much fun was it for you guys to see that? Because when I was growing up, the Cubs never really did anything like that before. It was it was good. It, you know, it, it, we've we've been part of it for the last uh, three years, and uh, just being the seeing the excitement around the park, uh, hearing El Mariachi, like you said, just hearing that kind of atmosphere, DJs playing all kinds of Latino music, uh, uh, all kinds. So it was just a great celebration all around it. And what made it better, obviously, was the game and the way we came out with that victory. Sure. And then if I could add a little bit, it's just, there was also Roberto Clemente Day at uh, Wrigley Field. So you add that and you see all the jerseys with Roberto Clemente. I thought that was also a very nice touch. Yeah, absolutely, Jorge. You know, it's funny because my dad – he has two players, two non-Cubs that were his favorites. One of them was Pete Rose and the other was Roberto Clemente. And my dad used to watch Clemente in right field at Wrigley. And to this day, he says he's never seen someone with a better arm than, than Roberto Clemente. And what he means to Latinos everywhere, it just, I'm so glad that MLB takes the time to celebrate everything that he did. Yeah, for sure. sure. You, add, you add all that, you know, you add the Hispanic heritage, Roberto Clemente, the, how bad this team needed to win and the way the, the, the ball was just flying out of the ballpark. It was just an amazing, amazing game. Now, one thing I enjoyed at the, right at the beginning of the game is Jesus Ramos sang the national anthem and he kind of blew me away. He was really, really good. That had to have been a lot of fun for you guys to hear that anthem. Every time, every time we hear him sing, you know, we enjoy, he's a great singer. Um, he's, uh, he was out there at Gallagher way singing with the Mariachi as well. So, you know, it, he, he's, uh, he, he knows what he's doing. So it was great to see as well. And, and you, going back to, to what you mentioned earlier, um, those kind of celebrations didn't exist, you know, when I came here as a kid as well and, and being able to see that now and being uh, a part of it, it makes it even more special. Well, stuff. I think just being a part of it is definitely special. Absolutely. And talk about special. Look at, look, I have a picture up here for those of you subscribe to the YouTube <laughs> channel. Miguel, I don't know, we don't look too Jorge. happy there. <laughs> Miguel and Jorge getting ready to sing the stretch. So, so Miguel, you're an old hat. This is, you said this is number four for you singing the stretch, right? Yes. Number four. Jorge, how about for you? This is my first time. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was a bit nervous. So Miguel, Miguel tells me, well, he's like, just relax and enjoy the moment. So I was watching it, and so I was watching carefully when you guys go up there, and I'm like, okay, I know Miguel's done this before. I wasn't sure about you, Hori. I'm like, but here's the thing: if you're gonna do it, you got to do it with a ringer like Miguel, right? So it's like, okay, let, let follow the leader, and you guys harmonized pretty good. I thought you guys sounded pretty good together. Yeah, I agree. You gotta practice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. And, and, and the best part was. At the end, when you said, what did you say? I said, let's get no, some no, no. runs. How did you say it? I said, let's get some runs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to keep the tradition going, and I had to emphasize on that one. Now, now, Jorge, when, when all of a sudden, I think it was Johnny last night as well, when he hits that, those keys and you, you hear it going and you look out and you see 40,000 watching, like, does it totally change? Like, you had to have been, like, okay, prepared mentally, but then when that light spotlight comes on, how different was it to see all the people and all that? It was definitely different. It was. It's like I always compare it. You know, it's it's a roller coaster, and once you're at the top of the roller coaster, you just gotta enjoy the ride and just let loose and take the moment and just be, you know, be blessed to be able to have this moment. And that's exactly what it was. You know, in front of all these fans, my my parents were also here, so it was just it was just an amazing and beautiful moment. It was uh the, the roller coaster was top of the seventh when we get there. Uh, and I'm like, hey, we're two outs away here. <laughs> we're, we're one out away. <laughs> and Miguel, for you, it's just got to feel like, up oh, riding a bike, no big deal. Let's 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 no, do it, right? No, 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 no. no. I, I, uh, it, it hit me in the fourth inning. I was like, wait, like, like it comes to you, like, oh, you're gonna sing real soon, right? And like I told George, when when we hit the sixth inning, I was like, ooh, yeah. Now, now you start feeling it. And, I always get nervous. I always get super nervous, but, but it, it, it's fun. You know, it, once again, like George said, it, it, once you, you get to that moment and Josh was on the keys last night. So when you hear Josh and, and you just look out and you know, your parents are out there very proud to, to see us out here. And, and so, you know, it, it's just a, a whole whirlwind of emotions that go through and, and, and you just go through the motions, but basically, <laughs> because that's what it is. You know, you, you know, this song growing up, you, 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 you sang it along and, and then you just get to have that microphone in your hand and, and do it on your own. Now, as you mentioned, you know, the Cubs needed to win that game in the, game in the worst way possible. 
they needed offense. They needed a win. And they got both of them yesterday. And Miguel, you know, we, we've talked for a while now about, you know, a lot of, you know, people starting to become introduced because of Twitter to your calls. You had the um, grand slam by Alexander Canario. I mean, you know what it's like when that crowd gets fired up and the bases are loaded, PCA draws the walk, and then all of a sudden, you know, roaring, and, 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 and you had to have gotten excited. And once again, the call goes viral. How much fun is it for you to see that when, when they do blow up on Twitter? Well, you know, it's it's. I feel like now I have a commitment, right? Because I like the moment that that grand slam was hit, I, I got messages on where's your call, right? So, and and those are the little things that that it, it, you build that community, right? It, it's it's so cool to, to be a part of Cubs Twitter, and and they embrace me in, in, in such a great way. Um, but now it's it's one of those things that you know, once I see something that can potentially be a big, a big uh, play or whatever, I bring out the phone and the stand and, and just to make sure that I'm ready for it in the given case that it does happen. Um, and, and then it's just putting it together, right? You, you cut it up and, and throw it up right away as soon as you can. And yeah, like to, to this moment, my phone was still going off on it. So it's very cool. And I'm very, very appreciative of everyone that takes their time and, and likes comments and retweets. Now, Jorge, question for you now. Are you guys, do you feel like you're getting kind of more noticed by people like when you're walking around the ballpark and everyone's like, hey, there's Jorge, hey, there's Miguel? Kind of getting getting that kind of feedback as far as people starting to notice you guys? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, typically, so my, my day around the ballpark, when I get here, I always take a lap around the park. And just to be able to see the same faces and have the conversations and, you know, build, like you said, build that relationship within the fans, I think has been amazing. And it's just overall, as the years gone by, as we stay consistent with our work and just us having fun as Cubs fans, because at the end of the day, we're true professionals, but we're also Cubs fans. I think that's that's also been very key for our for our broadcast. And 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 the thing that I kind of Miguel, we talked, we've had you on the show before, and you you did before some interviews. Are you guys going to kind of keep kind of doing some interviews with some of the Latino players because? You know, a lot of these guys have great personalities, but because of the language barrier, sometimes it just, you know, obviously morale transcends everything, but like, you know, to be able to talk to a guy like an Alexander Canario or to talk to, you know, a Heimer Candelario or some of these guys to be able to speak fluently and not have to think about what you're trying to say and stuff like that. Do you kind of foresee in the future, maybe some more stuff on Cubs YouTube where you get to interview some of the Latino players? Yeah, no, definitely. That's something that we do have in plans. We actually tried to do it a couple of weeks ago. Just the schedule didn't allow it. The guys were going through night games. Remember that whole stretch where it was just like a night game that we had a day game and, and they were tired and it was just a matter of we couldn't get together to do it. But Cus Productions and myself, we do have plans for it. Um, we're going to do a different style of what we did last last year. So it, it's something that we definitely want to do. I think this this has this ship sailed for this season, but it's definitely something that we're going to um, go ahead and look forward to, to just grow in the future. They, they're, the plans are there. Okay. That's great. And, and, and Jorge, have you had a chance an opportunity to talk to some of the players down on the field? I have uh, one of the, one of the players I've talked to the most is Christopher Moren. And he's just been, he's been amazing with us. Just the media in general gives us time and just be able to tell us what he's going through, the, the motions of being a, a big leaguer and, and just overall the work that he puts in through the season. And, I, you know, I, I can't thank these players enough for being able to take the time to talk to us and being able to for us to use that, especially on our broadcast. Absolutely. And so we're sitting here right now, and we got about, what, 12, 11 games left, I want to say. As far as you guys are concerned, you've said, you know, you guys have been broadcasting three years, right? And so if we're looking – if we're looking – at that yeah. have you, go ahead the full season yeah it's been three years um particularly to me i joined the broadcast in 2018 so i did 18 19 20 i did with the white Sox. came back 21 22 and here this year so you guys together especially haven't done any playoff baseball yet thank you for those crawling hello what was that yeah say it again probably I was saying that you guys haven't done playoff baseball just yet, have you? Not to taste of playoff baseball. We the the unit you know our affiliate did do a playoff baseball. Was it twenty nineteen, I believe? I did, I did, I did some of that, but not together. We not haven't together. done it together. No. So we're looking forward to it. 
I think what was it? Uh, 2018 was um, they they played 163 and they went to a wild card game. 2019 yes. they didn't make it and Joe Madden gets fired. 2020 there's playoff baseball but it's COVID and no one's inside. So that's why I'm trying to trying to be like, hey yeah. man, you know, do you guys feel like you know as of right now, especially you know when you talk about since you know 2021 and all those trades, this has got to be a kind of new level of intensity while you're broadcasting. Do you guys feel it as broadcasters like we do as fans? Oh, for sure, for sure. We, I mean, as, as the season gets closer, as the wild card gets, you know, all these, all these situation with the wild card, you, you start feeling you want, you, we want the playoffs. You know, we want to be able to be here. We don't want this to end. At least not, not in this way. You know, we say this is the last homestand. Hopefully, not the last time we're going to be here this season. So yeah, we definitely want the playoffs. And and it brings up the intensity, you know, because we've we've been able to broadcast September games when it. It's just a whole bunch of new players are coming up, and, and you have players like when we were able to see after the trade deadline, we saw, what, Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel. You know, you, you got all those different players, but there wasn't any meaning to that season anymore. So now when you get this kind of atmosphere, and, and, and you know, the fans that are here, they're in every play. They're there. They're like, it was it was crazy yesterday. We were up, what, 4 nothing at the, what was after 2 or whatever it was, and Still, they were like early on. They were yelling out here, "Let's go, Cubbies!" And, and you can hear the chants. And it's like so early in the game, but they knew the importance of winning these games and ending that that uh, losing streak and and just taking advantage of of these Pirates. You know, you were up in in the season series, so why not? You know, take it a hundred percent. Absolutely, and and guys, I I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. You are at Wrigley Field. You are live right now. And, and again, I, I, what I love every time that if I'm not listening to you, what Boog will always say on the broadcast, hit the SAP button and you can hear Miguel Esparza and Jorge Moreno. And then the, the thing I love is so many people that don't even speak Spanish are tuning into the Spanish broadcast because it's fun, because it's exciting. We even got guys like our friend Danny Rocket who listens to you guys religiously. Yeah to try to yeah. improve his Spanish. Have you heard other people kind of say the same thing to you that I'm trying to learn Spanish through you guys on the TV? Yeah, we, we definitely have. And, and when people tell us that, you know, it brings us a lot of joy. It brings us a smile to our face knowing that, you know, we, aside from doing our job, we're also trying to help out, you know, bring bring our language uh, to, to, other, to all these other communities. And just, uh, just you know, just having fun with it. I think it's been, it's been amazing. Well, guys, I appreciate you jumping on. I'm wishing you all the luck tonight. And 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 again, Hispanic Heritage Night. I feel like it's is such a a wonderful thing to do for the community to bring more fans in and teach more people about the great game of baseball. And you guys are a big part of that. And I appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you, Crawley. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. And go Cubs. Yes. This is season two. It's episode seventy-two. Cubs September Swoon. The Fly the W podcast is what you're listening to. And Crowley, the standings. We've got nine games left. What is going on? Where do the Cubs stand right now? Oh boy, we're not going to like this here. But you can see that the Cubs right now are. I mean, you can. It's you're basically mathematically eliminated. Your tragic number for the Central is at two. So the Cubs are probably, you know, any Milwaukee win or Cubs loss means that they will not win the Central, and that's obvious. They are now eight games back. Cincinnati, half a game back from them. And then Pittsburgh, you know, 72 and 81, but they took two out of three from us. And then uh, St. Louis in the basement. Sad to see. But it's the wild card race that our listeners really care about. This is what's important. Philadelphia with a two-game winning streak. They're the number one spot. They lead that. They, they're uh, up on five games on that. Arizona is in the second wild card spot with a five-game winning streak, and they are hot at the right time while the Cubs are not. Um, they have uh, they are two places up in the second wild card spot. So the Cubs are two games behind Arizona for that final spot, and they are tied with the Marlins. Luckily, who've been struggling a little bit of late themselves, but. Dustin, if the playoffs started tomorrow, Cubs would not be in it because of the tiebreaker. Marlins own the tiebreaker. The Reds own the tiebreaker. The Diamondbacks own the tiebreaker. The Cubs do own the tiebreaker against the Giants. And we are having to become super big Brewer fans over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We want the Brewers to just finish it off, win the division, and inflict pain on the fish down there in Miami. 
Absolutely. And Cincinnati somehow, like I said, watch their starting pitching. I got a feeling they're fading. Um, it just it feels like the Cubs, but they have a lot of injuries to their uh, rotation. I, I, even though they have the easiest schedule remaining of those teams, I, I, I'd be surprised if Cincinnati makes it in. All right, Crowley, we've always promised from the start of this podcast two years ago, we're going to keep everybody up to date on what's going on down on the farm. And we've got some good news from the Smokies down in Tennessee. Yep, the uh, Tennessee Smokies defeated the Chattanooga Lookouts 5-1 to one to win the division series thanks to a three-run homer by Kevin Alcantara. The Smokies will face a familiar opponent in the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, who they lost to in the championship last year. That is starting Sunday at 4.30 with our guy Mick Gillespie on the call. Um, some interesting news at Wrigley to kind of uh, pay attention to. It seems like everybody's striking nowadays. And right now, the concession workers who work for Levy Restaurants have authorized strike. And uh, that means that there may be no food or drink. Uh, nobody to serve you food or drink or anything else at Wrigley on the final homestand. So this this is going to be something to kind of keep an eye on right there. Um, Talk about fan Dustin, appreciation. Right. Uh, Dustin, uh, right now, Jed met with the beat writers before this series. And this was on, so this is Tuesday. This is Tuesday afternoon before the game. Tuesday afternoon before the win. And when you look at what, you know, Jed was saying, he was in Japan. He just got back. He, he was talking about a, lot, about a lot of things that I thought was interesting. Um, and, and I just wanted your take on some of this here. So this is what he had to say about their current play. Um, to just, you know, finish strong in 12 games. What stands out to you about what you've seen from the team over the last week and a half? Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we played, you know, really with the exception of a little bit of a post-London um, you know, lull. We played from you know with the middle of June until until through the San Francisco series. We played incredibly well, and this is kind of the first dip we've had. And um, obviously, we have to stop it quickly. Uh, I think that having a you know, bad stretch is is normal. I think mo- you know you don't go the whole halves without really losing many series. It's going to happen at some point, but obviously, it's been um, kind of bit us a little bit harder than we we probably expected. And you know, like with any. Uh, slump or downturn it you know comes down to we we haven't gotten the big hits and the big moments and we didn't do that early in the season Uh, obviously we talked about that a lot we for for months we got a lot of those hits and uh, played really well and we just haven't um, come through in those spots and um, we have 12 games to turn that around so what I liked about what he said there what it was accurate is that you know in April and May they didn't get the big hits we were talking about that all the time and the bullpen wasn't very settled and then all of a sudden in the second half when even, you know, down 10 games, you know, starting in you know June, all of a sudden you start to see him get the timely hits. You see the bullpen start to settle. You remember it was, you would have uh Alzali in the ninth lighter in the eighth, Merriweather. everything was kind of solid, but now all of a sudden at the worst possible time, injuries have hurt them. They're not getting the big hits. And now the bullpen is absolutely in flux. Yeah. The bullpen looks absolutely spent. Uh, always good to hear Jed talk, but uh, unfortunately, he was a little foretelling there, talking about not being able to get the big hits. Cubs also not being able to get the big hits on Wednesday and Thursday. I know you and I differ a little bit on this. The total number of runs scored, fantastic. But when the runs are scored and what you're battling back from is also part of the equation, in my opinion. Right. And now the next two ones have to do with, I thought were interesting because it's what we've talked about, about, about batting order and playing guys in certain locations. And so it was, these were more directed about David Ross. Let's hear what he had to say. I think those are all almost impossible decisions or, or uh, questions to answer because, you know, ultimately you can only make one decision in that moment. And if it works, people think it's smart. And if they don't, then people say that you should have done the other. And uh, you never know what thing actually led to what happened. You know, if there's, does changing the batting order help us start hitting or were we going to start hitting regardless? Right. We'll never know because we can't do both. Right. Or so get you further away from yes. So I think, I think those are really hard. I, I do, I do understand the, the desire to, um, you know, believe in the group of guys that kind of, that kind of dragged us to this point that got us to not sell the deadline that did that. And I understand that there, that that is the group that's been in, in, in the fight the whole time. And, you know, um, they've been playing and, and, and you know playing every day. So I, I, I think I understand that from a, a clubhouse dynamic. But you're right. There's times when um, fresh bat or, or, or new energy can help as well. And I, I don't think it's easy to answer with, like, this kind of chicken or egg on those things. I mean, going, going hand 
so Dustin, in that one, he's really referencing that whole going with the guys that got us here. And, and that's the right. thing that irritates people right dance now. With is the, like, dance with the girl that brought you all that jazz. Yeah, we've had those arguments on the morning show as well. It's a very debatable topic. But all of a sudden, we've got a guy who hits a double, a grand slam, and he hasn't had the bat in his hand since against the Pirates. So, I mean, what, what's again, going on? Makes no sense. And, and that's the thing. Look, I understand maybe resting – um, or giving Canario a break against Mitch Keller, really good pitcher. You don't want to put that on him. But then when you take him out, why couldn't he come into the game? Why couldn't he be the right. DH or something? I mean, it just makes no sense. And 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 Mike Talkman is struggling. And so you're telling me you're not going to give PCA a single start? It's and, and and when you talk about, I felt that when Ian Happ was at the top of the lineup, I thought that was more beneficial. You get Bell, you put Bellinger in at third. You get him more at bats uh, with, with with runners on and stuff like that. You he gets. It just, to me, makes sense, and so I don't know. And then this kind of is a continuation off this right here. Hand in hand in about getting guys, like, off their feet for a little bit. How, yeah. do, how do you think Russ has managed all that? It's, it's, been a hard, it's been a hard one, and we played, what, 14 games in 13 days with, you know, felt like we never played at the same time any, any given day. So I, I do think that that stretch was really – was really hard and um, it is difficult with we have guys that want to play every day that it's sort of like they're um, they uh, the way they view themselves as players is doing that and I think that's hard you know we have a had a day off Thursday a day off yesterday and then obviously we have a you know another day off so hopefully that isn't as much of a factor and it's hard when you have 12 games left it's hard to start giving guys a bunch of days off yeah there's no time for days off right now Crowley none zero time for days off and they all look tired. I'm tired as a fan. I'm sure you're tired as a fan. I'm sure the broadcasters are tired. Everybody's tired. There are now nine games left. When he's had that interview, there were 12 games left. There are nine left, and it starts this afternoon against the Rockies. Chris Bryant is back in town. No, no video tribute for Chris. Okay, No standing <laughs> ovation for Chris. You want to stand up and cheer him? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I would stand up and put my cup of beer, assuming I could get one, I would put that to my lips, but I would not be cheering for Chris Bryant. And if anything, Chris Bryant doesn't see one pitch if I'm David Ross. Chris Bryant is tip of the cap, walk to first. No pitches, no dancing around, no pitching around. No ball from the pitcher's hand goes towards the catcher's mitt when Chris Bryant is up to bat. I don't care if he's 0 for 13 in his last 13 at-bats. He doesn't see a pitch. You're not going to lose this game in this series because of Chris Bryant if I'm in charge. The Chris Bryant revenge factor. Yeah, you, you know, it's weird that the Cubs faced the Rockies just a week ago and and just a horrendous road trip. Game one, Jordan Wicks went six innings, six innings pitch. He only gave up three hits. Morel solo home run. Magical Gomes hit RBI singles. Cubs were up three to one. The lead didn't hold as Jose Cuas gave up three runs in the seventh and the Rockies took a four to three lead. Luckily, that was the game that Jan Gomes hit the RBI single and they came from behind five to four. Otherwise, they would have gotten swept. Game two, Assad had his worst start of the season going 3.1 innings, giving up four runs on five hits. The Cubs jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. Say hit an RBI single, and PCA had an RBI on a force out. But after Colorado took a 4-2 to lead, Say hit a two-run homer to tie the game at four. But as you were talking about, Chris Bryant would hit a solo home run against his former team. The Rockies would be out in front, and they would, and the Cubs would lose this one 6 to nothing. And then finally, Jamison Tyone started the final game, and the Cubs jumped out to a 3-0 lead early, thanks to RBIs by Dansby and Saya, but Tyone would give up one in the fourth um, and and one in the fifth and four in the fifth, giving up home runs to Nolan Jones and Elahuris Montero. The Cubs would trade five trail five to three. They would go on to lose this one seven to three. Um, what it was, it was just absolutely that was the start of all this bad defense, bad base running, bad pitching, bad timely hitting, all of it. And so Luckily, the Rockies are coming in. They just got swept in San Diego, did have an off day on Thursday. But keep in mind, Dustin, and I'm just trying to find anything to give Cub fans something to hang their head, hats on. The Rockies have a 34-40 and 40 record at home and a 22-56 and 56 record on the road. They're 30 games over, under 500 on the road. Let's hope it's 22-59 and 59 when they get out of Wrigley on Sunday. Game one this afternoon, Jamison Tyone throwing. Okay, Cup fans, again, get those prayer candles out. Do what you got to do. J-Mo is, is, you know, uh, what can you say about this guy's season? Um, J-Mo in Up and down, right that's now, what you say, Crowley. Up and down, right? Up and mostly down. Mostly down. Up, mostly down. Down, up, down, right? Down, up, down. Yep. Yep. 
Seven and 10, 527 ERA. He just saw Colorado last week, five innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, five Ks. Had a good start against Arizona. He went six innings, gave up one hit, zero earned runs. Uh, against Cincinnati, struggled 5.2 innings, gave up seven hits, five earned runs. Um, he is going to be facing off against Noah Davis. And this, Dustin, is where it, it is driving me absolutely nuts right now just because of these these guys that, that Colorado is rolling out. If you can't win these games, then you don't belong in the playoffs. Noah nope. Davis, Dustin, Noah, Noah Davis started four games this season, but this is the first game he has started since June 20th. Up and down between AAA and the majors, features mainly a fastball and slider. Occasionally he'll throw a changeup and a cutter. But again, this is a guy who only has, he's two losses with a 958 ERA. It's a big number, Crowley. Big, big number. <laughs> I mean, what do you, you know? Yeah, you're you know, right. Jordan. Listen, no excuses. You know, I said it should have started on Tuesday night. The, the no excuses tour. We're going to hit the reset button. It starts this afternoon at Wrigley. No excuses. You got three games left at Wrigley. Let's go. You got Jordan Wicks, 3-1, and one, 267 ERA against Arizona. He didn't look that great. He went 4.1 innings, gave up four hits, three earned runs, four walks, and five Ks. So he threw a lot of pitches. Too many walks. He, you know, you can't do that. Um, did well against Colorado, like we said. Six innings pitch. He have only one run on three hits. Uh, didn't get the decision because Kuas blew the save on that one. And then against San Fran, he had a great game. He went six point two innings hit, uh, pitch, gave up nine hits, but only two earned runs. But in his last, like I said, that last start against Arizona, four walks. The previous two, he only had one total combined so you need him to kind of make sure that he is uh not putting guys on base especially some of these hitters um he's going to be pay- facing off against chris flexen dustin and it, it, again i'm just trying to not get angry here because i i just need the cubs to win this series this has to be you know it's just unreal how these guys are just awful flexen one and eight with a 719 era against san francisco he went 5.1 gave up four runs on five hits against chicago Went 5.1 innings, gave up three runs on nine hits. And against Arizona, he only went 2.1 innings, gave up six runs on four hits with two walks. This is a guy, Dustin, uh, in in Flexen. He was traded from Seattle, immediately released from the Mets on July 6th and picked up the Rock by the Rockies. He made his first start for them on the July 29th and been on the rotation ever since. But fastball cutter is his main weapons right there. He throws an occasional changeup and slider, but this is a guy that was like DFA'd by Seattle, uh, up and down, traded to the Mets. They didn't want him. He's basically off the scrap heap. Well, then let's go. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep saying, let's go. You know, we got a nine, five, eight guy going on Friday. You got a seven, one, nine guy going on Saturday. He's got a one and eight record. As you pointed out, the Rockies are 30 games under 522 and 56. All right, game three, Crowley. Let's hope that uh, the Cubs are going for a sweep. They've got Assad back on the mound. Four and three with the 304 ERA. He uh, won the last start, five innings pitch, gave up five hits, one and run against Pittsburgh. Um, against Colorado, he struggled, 3.1 innings, five hits, four and runs, four walks, four strikeouts. So he had control issues. And a lot of the young guys do that in Colorado because of the atmosphere. It screws up the breaking pitches. Against Arizona, he did okay. 5.1 innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs. But again, this is a number five starter that you're looking at. You, you're going to take that, and you should take that against Ty Block, who's 3-2 and two with a 532 ERA. Another guy up and down, DFA'd. He's been starting since the end of July. He's a, he's a fastball changeup kind of guy. But, um, you know, Black ended up with a pretty good start against the Cubs. I mean, he wasn't bad against the Cubs. Let's just put it that way. Um and he is three and two with a 5.32 ERA, three and two against San Diego. He went 3.2 innings, gave up seven runs, Dustin had nine hits against the Cubs. They also gave up nine hits, got nine hits, but only got three runs. And against San Francisco, he went five innings, gave up eight hits, four earned runs on that one. Yeah. So in the lineup will look different on Sunday because we got a lefty going, right? Right, probably. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> you don't sound very enthused, Crowley. All no. right, quickly, who's hot, who's not? Uh, not a whole lot of hot for the Cubs, but uh, Ian Happ, Nico Horner, okay. Yep, Ian Happ right now, nine for his last 22 with the home run, four RBIs. He's slashing 409, 486, 36. Nico Horner looking good, six out of his last 18 with four RBIs. He's slashing six walks 
to one strikeout. He's slashing 333, 500, 389. Unfortunately, on the not list, you got a couple guys on there. Um, Christopher Morrell isn't a bad stretch. Three for his last 21 with a home run and an RBI, slashing 143, 250, 286. Dansby Swanson, five for his last 25. He does have two home runs and five RBIs, but he also has eight strikeouts to zero walks, slashing 200, 200, 480. All right, I mentioned earlier Chris Bryant, 0 for 13, coming into Wrigley. So he's on the not list. Who is uh, one or two guys that uh, the Rockies, uh, you know, we got to be aware of as Cub fans? Nolan Jones, 10 for his last 20 with a home run and two RBIs, a double and a triple. He is slashing 500, 630, 800. He is hot. If you remember, um, PCA robbed Nolan Jones of two extra base hits in that series, and uh, and he also hit a homer uh, in that same game. Um, and also take a look at Brendan Rogers. He's 10 for his last 21 with the home run and four RBIs and Charlie Blackman. The guy just keeps hitting. He's seven for his Charlie last Blackman, Charlie Blackman. He always, always did, does good against the Cubs. And like you said, Chris Bryant, definitely ice cold. And so is Elioris Montero. Prediction time, Crowley. There are three games left at Wrigley. There are nine games left in total. When you and I get back together, probably Monday to record, uh, the next episode, which will be number 72. What do you think we're going to be saying? I'm going to be saying that the Cubs swept the baseball gods will look favorably on the ball burning. And this, if you, if you can't win these games, then you don't belong in the playoffs. I'm talking all three games. I want no excuses, no crap win, or you're going to go home and your season's going to be over and you deserve it. All right, Crowley. I am backing you up on that, pushing all the chips to the middle of the table. Cubs with the sweep. So that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials. That's Facebook. That's Instagram. Of course, Twitter. You can email us as well, flythew670gmail.com. And you can watch us, see all our pictures and all our stats on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crawley, enjoy the games. I will. I will be there Sunday, so I hope to see some of you out there. Make sure you're cheering on those Smokies. Make sure you're leaving five-star reviews for the podcast. And please, coming out to Wrigley, they need you. They need your support. Let's all do this. Go Cubs! It's all over.